0: you're listening to locked on college football kickoff live with myself drake toll of locked on big 12 kenton gibbs of locked on acc and alex dono of locked on canes live every friday from noon to 1 eastern time wherever you get your locked on favorites on youtube let's take a look around the country in college football Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. That is Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC and Locked On Wolfpack, Alex Dono of Locked On Canes, and this is your one-stop shop for all things college football. Thank you for making Locked On College Football Kickoff your lunchtime listen every Friday. Guys, it is Rivalry Week. This is the apex of madness in college. When you think about games that should go one way, this is the weekend where they go the other. Ken, let's start with you. When you think the best rivalry, the best rivalry in college football, where it never matters, the record, only the score, where do you land? You got it,
1: you landed on mute. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I did, I did. I,
2: I did the thing again. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not technolog- technologically in But here we go. The biggest robbery when I think of this, I think of there have been a lot of robberies that have had documentaries come out recently, but I think of who had the first documentary that was published for everybody to see on one of the major networks and all that, and there's only one answer. The game, ladies and gentlemen. It's so important. It's just called the game. You don't need to name it any cute bowl. You don't need to say, oh, you know, you got Alabama and Auburn with the the Iron Bowl. You got South Carolina and Clemson, the Palmetto Bowl. You don't need any of that. You don't need a Red River rivalry. You don't need any cute name. It's just the game. It's the game where one school in one city blocks out every single M. In that entire city limits, of course, Michigan, Ohio State. That's got to be the game.
0: Ah, uh, Donna, what, what do you think on this? Because I, I might have to disagree.
1: Really? Well... I'm not going to disagree, but I'm telling you, there are others out there with a lot of history. I think to, uh, to this weekend is going to be the 127th playing of Oregon versus Oregon State, and there's no guarantee how many times we're ever going to see that after this year because of Oregon moving into the Big Ten and Oregon State, you know, their conference situation. So that's a big one to me. That one's one. I've been watching documentaries on that going back to the Joey Harrington days at Oregon, so that one sticks out. And then just like in terms of pure craziness, guys, how many weird scenarios have we seen, especially over the past 10 years or so in the Iron Bowl? I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the 10th year anniversary of the kick six. Auburn's going to be honoring that team for this game. It's a home game for Auburn this year. You know, obviously, Alabama has been a well-oiled machine during the Nick Saban era, and they've really found themselves this year, and they've still got an opportunity to get into the college football playoff. They've been playing their best football in the second half of the season, yet you still head into that game thinking, wouldn't be crazy if Auburn Auburn pulled something off. You know, uh, they, they played Georgia closer than they played New Mexico State this year, so you never know which Auburn is going to show up, right? Yeah. So crazy things happen in that rivalry as well.
2: All of I'm saying I'm- is Zach Blackerby before he cut his beard, Auburn was playing well. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. the host of Locked On, uh, the host of Locked On Eagles, cut it. And then what? What do we have there? You know, what I'm just saying, Locked On Auburn. Y'all might want to blame your guy. You might want to blame your guy. Which, if Auburn is
0: to lose to New Mexico State and then beat top five Alabama, top seven, eight Alabama, that would be the most Iron Bowl thing of all time. I that oh, to absolutely. me absolutely. is what makes the the Iron Bowl. I think it's the best rivalry in college football right now. Now, this varies by decade as well. Think about the the off years that Michigan had, even three or four years ago, when they weren't quite up to par. They've had a tumultuous decade, whereas Alabama and Auburn, despite coaching changes for the for the Eagles have it for the Tigers or War Eagles whatever their mascot actually is those have made the even in those the rivalry has been so top-notch now think about USC Notre Dame that used to be like when you thought the big rivalries in college football that was up there these things rise and they fade out of style sometimes it's BYU and Utah that is there's a whole religion they fight over in that game every year and they're bringing that rivalry back and of course Texas and Oklahoma, Red River rivalry that occurs in the Big 12 moving to the SEC. But all those put together, the game being two, I'm going to go Alabama-Auburn. I'm going to go the Iron Bowl as my top rivalry in college football for the amount of times it has determined an SEC title participant in the last decade or a, a national championship participant in the last 15 years for those two teams. But moving away from the holistic view of rivalries, this week you got games like Ohio State and Michigan. Oregon State, and Oregon. Even a game like Washington State at Washington, those little ones could trip you up or make things interesting this week. Let's start with a big one, though, in my eyes. Anyone's eyes, it's the game. Kenton, I just, Michigan's a machine at this point in the year. I don't know how you can bet against them
2: you got to be more physical than them or at least match their physicality to beat them. And I don't know if Ohio State can do that. However, Ohio State has a real bad man in that 1-8. I'm telling you what, Marvin Harrison Jr., he's another one of those guys that, you know, to quote Lil Wayne, I'm just stunned like my daddy. He shows up, he gets open, he makes contested catches, he makes something happen when he has the ball in his hands. And I'll tell you, that's one of the only receivers that I've seen win a game single-handedly because let's just be honest in that Penn State game y'all watched this game the same that I did who on that field stuck out to you besides Marvin Harrison Jr. They said all right here's the game plan get the ball to the Italians kicking and screaming style and who was the Italian on that day Marvin Harrison Jr.
0: Maserati Marv getting it done I uh, he's good look he's good this is you're gonna have to have is this Dono, the game where these two teams bring out the trick plays, is this the – or do you keep it ground and pound? What is the makeup of this version of the game where it really is a college football playoff appearance on the line?
1: Well, I will say this game has, for more than the last 20 years, been won on the ground. The team who has the most rushing yards in the game, in this game, has won every meeting since 2001. That's the way this game has gone down. That's insane. So that, that shows you, I mean, obviously easier said than done, but that shows you the path to victory tends to be controlling the ground game. So uh, I don't think this is necessarily one for the trick plays, especially since these teams are close. I've, I've been arguing for most of the season. I feel like Michigan is the best overall team in college football. But a month ago, I would have said, I don't think Michigan gets particularly challenged by Ohio State. I'm changing my tune on that to the point where I look at that three and a half point spread in Michigan's favor and I wonder if Ohio State might even cover that I don't like three and a half point spreads right I can see this game getting decided by three points in one direction or the other and but boys over the past month or so for what it's worth I know they're both undefeated so you nitpick Ohio State has been descending Michigan has been or sorry, Ohio State has been ascending where Michigan has been slightly on the descent. You know, their quarterback nursing a little bit of an injury. They don't have their head coach on the sidelines again for this game. So McCarthy, how is he feeling? Cade McNamara on the other side has been playing a lot better in recent weeks. I could see Ohio State making this game really, really, really close. Obviously, I favor Michigan because they've been the better team all year long, whether Harbaugh's on the sidelines or not. But I think this game could come down to a one point game
2: winning touchdown or game winning field goal scenario. Yeah. Guys, before. Get- Oh, I just want to say, before anybody uh, from the Big Ten gets mad at us, he meant Kyle McCord. He knows what he meant. It was a slight slip up there. Oh, what did I McNamara. say? You said Kay McNamara on the other side. Or oh, my what bad. Are the, what are the two? Jaden, Yeah, Jaden McCarthy is star. We know what we're talking about here, okay? Look at his shirt. That is a man who is knowledgeable yeah. about all things, yeah. fashion and otherwise, okay? That's a so that's lot a of stuff man.
0: going on in that shirt. The Italian ad read guy. Uh, should mention too, I know we have a lot of very rabid Auburn fans that are out there. I do know they're the Tigers and that they say War Eagle and they have the Eagle. It just, you know. I, I did. I grew up, yeah, I wore does. my I rep my Arkansas gear today because it's the one it's the one just just go win. This this is the week of no matter how your season has been, it's just go win from rivalries that play in stadiums that are 50-50 to your Alabama Iron Bowl with with Auburn to We talked about the game and then the one tonight, the Friday night game that means so much to the Pac-12 and to these two schools, Oregon State and Oregon. Dono, I'll be glued to this one. It's it's kind of your market game you set aside for Black Friday.
1: This is one of those where in Oregon are big favorites in this game and you just have to wonder how much is that rivalry aspect going to come into play. Now, when you talk about quarterbacking, Bo Nix, who's he's like 24, 25 years old, uh, but in his sixth year, he's having his very best year and he's right in there at or near the top of the Heisman conversation. Oregon is the better team. There's still a a path to the college football playoff for them and a path to a conference championship. I just look at it like they can't slip up tonight, guys, and I don't think they're going to slip up. But again, this is one of those rivalries where sometimes you can throw the records out and you can throw the spreads out.
0: Kenton, what do you see in this one? Do you think Bo Nix blows it away?
2: Here's the thing. I think that Oregon wins it, but I think this spread is much too big. 14 points is insane. Let me tell you something. This Oregon State team can run the ball. I don't care what the conditions are. I don't care what's going on. If they can't do anything else, they're coming downhill, no frills, with one of the bigger, more powerful, more explosive backs in the conference, and in the country, and they're going to do so successfully. Now, we have seen Oregon stop the run successfully multiple times, so you say to yourself. Well, Damian Damian Martinez won't be a big problem. Uh, Not so fast, my friends. We have seen this time and time and time again. The minute you count out Oregon State, the minute you say the Beavers have got nothing for us, boop, a little beaver flash, they're there. They're going to get the job done, and I don't think that they win this game, but I think it's much closer than fourteen.
0: Boom. Look, I have already, this again, this is the weekend of college football for me. And for many teams, it's the last weekend of college football. This marks the end of the season for effectively half the fan bases in the FBS. But two of those that don't have to worry about that, Ohio State and Michigan. Let's break it down more in depth with Locked On Wolverines host, Isaiah Hole. Locked On Wolverines host Isaiah Hole here on Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Isaiah, in what might be the biggest, let's start there. Do you consider this to be now the biggest installment of the game between Michigan and Ohio State? Can you call it that with so much
3: on the line? I thought you brought me on here to talk about the Egg Bowl last night, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, I guess we can talk about the that other thing that's happening tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I would say that this is certainly the biggest iteration of the game because y- you have a lot of different things going on. You've got Michigan and everything that's kind of been surrounding the program off-field with the Connor Stallions thing. Uh, you have Ryan Day, who's 1-2 and two against Michigan. I mean, he hired Jim Knowles last year to try to – fixed his defense only to get more put up on them last year uh you've got jim harbaugh not being on the sidelines you've got jj mccarthy who i i'm hearing from from a source uh kind of a third party source but i'm hearing from a source that jj didn't practice last week which kind of could explain a little bit of what why with his knee injury why perhaps he did not look uh nearly as crisp as he has through most of the season uh you've got kyle mccord who's been trying to to kind of cement himself as a guy who's in the same, in the same stratosphere as a lot of his predecessors. There's just so many different things that are going on in this game. I mean, you've got both ESPN's college game day in town. You've got Fox big noon kickoff. I mean, it just doesn't really get any bigger. And when you consider the field that's out there in the college football playoff rankings at the moment, it's not like last year where the loser could potentially find themselves still going they Ohio State needed help last year. It it seems like they're going to need whoever. I'm not saying Ohio State. I'm just saying whoever the loser is is going to need a lot more help yeah. than uh, Ohio State needed last year to kind of backdoor their way in. And you add in the fact that they're, they're the Big tens going divisionless. It's going to be the top two teams, and you're adding four Pac-12 schools, and the college football playoff is expanding. So perhaps the luster of the game deciding everything kind of goes away after this year i mean it's I, I don't know if it's for sure the biggest it certainly feels that way though because the stakes yeah. are sky sky high in this one
2: now listen we talked about the fact that the winner on the ground has won this game time and time again and all that good stuff and we know that michigan has one of the best running back duos in the nation with quorum and edwards but tell me what do you think or who do you think will be the X factor in this game in terms of if Michigan wins, this guy needs to perform well? What does that look like for you?
3: I'm actually going to kind of flip that question around, and I'm going to say that if Travion Henderson does not perform well, Michigan Mm. wins. Mm. Uh, I think Michigan needs to contain him. I know everyone's looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. as being the the guy and saying, well, you know, Michigan's number one plan is to stop him. I, I think that slowing him down is certainly a high, high priority, maybe 1B. But I, I think that slowing down Travion Henderson, after coming back from injury, who has looked electric in three or four games, he's a guy that if, if he gets into open space, it's kind of done, right? So I think that you, know, you look back to 2021, Michigan really – I mean, he was kind of in the same boat. He was just absolutely on fire as a freshman, talked about as the best running back in the country – Michigan really slowed him down and then kind of forced Ryan Day to to go to the pass a little bit earlier than, I would say earlier than he wanted to, but we all know Ryan day wants to go to the pass; That's kind of what he wants to do. So uh, I think that he is the big X factor in for kind of both teams in the sense of, can Michigan slow him down? Can Ohio state get him out in space and get him running? Uh, But outside of that, I mean, this is Blake Corum's first time being healthy playing in the game which is kind of crazy to think about. Uh, he played in 2021, but he was pretty severely injured. Uh, he had one big play, but it, I mean, that was really a Hassan Haskins game. I mean, uh, Blake didn't uh, play in the previous two weeks uh, against uh, Penn State or Maryland in 2021. Uh, this time he comes in healthy. Last year, Donovan Edwards uh, hadn't played in the previous weeks and then comes in with a club in his hand unable to be involved in the past game, but certainly obviously showed some uh, electricity in the uh, run game late in that game. So uh, that I think is going to be an interesting matchup. Ohio state's defensive front is no joke, but obviously Michigan's got the offensive line. It has, it hasn't quite lived up to that Joe Moore award winning offensive line. We've seen each of the last two years, but certainly against Penn state when seemingly somewhat by necessity, Uh, whether it was the pass protection, JJ's injury, all that kind of stuff kind of combined. Michigan went to the run against the team at the time that was number one in the country at stopping the run. And was it like absolutely gashing them? No, but they got big runs that we kind of hadn't seen all year. The Michigan run game tends to step up kind of when called upon. Uh, I think back as well, Nebraska, no one's going to write home about Nebraska really. But when Michigan played Nebraska earlier in the year, that was the number one run defense in the conference. I believe they were number two in the country at that time. They're still ranked really highly. Michigan ran the ball very, very well, and that opened up things against uh, in the past game. So um, certainly, that's going to be Michigan's mo. It's just going to be how improved is the Ohio State defense at stopping it, and for Michigan, the big key to me, uh, above all else, is slowing down, if not stopping, Travion Henderson. You know, Ann
1: Arbor has been the epicenter of the college football universe this season, off the field and also on the field because despite everything going on off the field, i've I've argued for most of the year. I think Michigan's been the best team in the country throughout the season. Uh, and you're you're so much closer to the program, Isaiah, than we are. Uh, in terms of how players and assistant coaches have handled everything with Harbaugh and with the stallion scandal. Um, has it brought them closer together? Because sometimes in situations like this, it can become a powerful rallying cry for teams.
3: Well, after the Purdue game, uh, Jim Harbaugh said that uh, with everything kind of swirling around the program, he called it in in terms of uh, how it affected the players a priceless gift. And I, I do believe that to be the case. I think the funny thing is I, I've talked to some people that are within the building there at Shembeckler Hall, and they... I ask they they know all, all the nuances of all these different storylines, all the the rumors and innuendos, many of which I've been told are absolutely true. We talk about that on Locked On Wolverines all the time here, um, but it's the players they're not paying attention to the outside noise, right? Like, and I think that's partially too when you look at a game like Penn State or a game like Maryland. Uh, you know, they go into Penn State and Jim Harbaugh gets suspended on the plane ride over. Certainly they had heard a little bit about that, but nonetheless, like they, their mind wasn't really on that. Their mind has been on football. So when they, they hear that and they know Michigan's going to fight it and they think that Jim Harbaugh is going to potentially be on the sidelines for Penn state. And then he isn't out there find out about an hour before the game. No, Jim Harbaugh. I, I, I think that that has an effect, right? Chris Partridge getting fired for misleading NCAA investigators last week they found out via social media. They had no idea. And then they're about an hour later, they're on a plane to college park. So it, I think that the, the fact that they aren't paying close attention to everything weirdly helps them in a lot of ways, because they know what people are saying about them. They certainly hear that people are calling them cheaters. Now, listen, the players had nothing to do with any of this, right? Like the, the players are, uh, I mean, and again, you know, I've, I've said this a lot on the, on the show myself, like, a lot of people are conflating some of the rules. The NCAA can d- decide kind of how to interpret its own rules, but to, to to act like this is just a blatant disregard for the rules and everything that happened, it really did occur in a gray area, but the players weren't really affected in, in, in as far as that's concerned, right? They, they're going to the weight room. They're, they're, they're going to practice. They're doing all this stuff. They, they have no part in it. So when they hear that the only reason you guys have won anytime in the last two and a half years is because you guys are cheaters I mean, they take exception to that, right? Because they they really turned around the culture. This wasn't a program that was out there winning all these big games w- with regularity. It always seemed like Michigan was in Penn State's shoes. They'd beat up on everybody that was lesser than, and then against the teams that they were equal, then they would kind of lay an egg. Twenty twenty happens, and uh, it, it's everything just kind of falls off of a cliff. And then you have all of these senior leadership that comes in the next year and says we're not doing this anymore. We're going to put our focus where it needs to be. And then you have the coaching staff that institutes things like the beat Ohio drill, all of these different things that kind of help them get over the hump. I mean, this is a player led team. This isn't a coach led team. This is a player led team. So I, I do think that they take a lot of exception to that and they want to quiet out th- all of that noise. Will it happen on Saturday? I I mean, I have a prediction that it will, but I mean, it's going to, it's not going to be a slam dunk by any stretch of the, you know, this is the hardest game of the year and Michigan has utmost respect for Ohio state. And it's just going to be about replicating kind of what happened, I think two years ago and being able to control the line of scrimmage. Coming up, we have sell me
0: why with some of the biggest spreads in college football, but Isaiah hole of locked on Wolverines. Thank you for being a part of locked on college football kickoff live and giving us perspective on the game.
3: Absolutely. My pleasure.
1: Guys, you have to be checking out game time. If you've ever had a frustrating last minute ticket buying experience, that can become a thing of the past when you download the game time app. Guys, their best deals are last minute ticket deals, flash deals, zone deals. Whether it's a sporting event, a concert, a musical, a comedy show, you can find everything at game time. And they're going to pop events in your area right to the top of your screen to make things even easier. And folks, the game time guarantee. That's going to make you feel good and sleep well at night. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So download the game time app, create an account and use our code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on college, all one word locked on college for $20 off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price
0: guaranteed It is time for the sole reason that I was invited to host Locked on College Football Kickoff Live and that was to sing <laughs> Stale me why Auburn Alabama the Iron Bowl this week the Auburn Tigers are 13 and a half point underdogs against the number 8 team in America we kick Six it to my dad, Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn to sell us why the Tigers can cover
4: 13 and a half. Auburn's going to need a lot to go their way in the Iron Bowl. I'm Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn. I'm going to sell you why the Auburn Tigers can take care of business against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And let's just be very clear here. Alabama does not like playing at Jordan-Hare Stadium. They do not like coming down to Auburn to play that half of the Iron Bowl. And I think with the way Auburn's defense is played down the stretch, with the exception of last week against New Mexico State, I think they can do some things that will slow Alabama's offense down. So then all the attention turns to Peyton Thorne and Jarquez Hunter. Jarquez Hunter will get more carries than it did a week ago. And we'll be able to move the football against the Alabama Crimson Tide. This game is weird, and it's always weird in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Just two years ago, with Brian Harson, it went to four overtimes. And Auburn's a much better team in that, uh, now than they were in that game. And Alabama's probably not as good of a team as they were in that game. This game's always close in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I expect that to be the case. Uh, Auburn covers the 13.5-point the spread, courtesy of our friends at FanDuel. Check out all your Iron Bowl coverage at Locked on Auburn. Dono, look,
0: I am of the mind. We've had a couple of these games this season where, on paper, Auburn loses this game by two touchdowns, if not yeah. more. Alabama's the much better team. Auburn did just lose to New Mexico State by 31 point, 21 points, 31 to 10. but. I'm I'm sold in the fact this is one of those few games where the host can say yeah it's they're going to cover because it's a rivalry game this is the matchup where that applies where Auburn could be a 21 point dog and take it to overtime I still think 14 is too much
1: especially in Jordan Hare Stadium um, and by the way Zach sold me why I thought he did an excellent job with that and no I'm I'm buying Auburn and listen part of it is the fact that. You know, in a rivalry game like this, betting Alabama minus 13 and a half really is no fun. I root for chaos and this matchup. You talked about this, Drake. You said this is your favorite rivalry in college football. Chaos rules in this matchup. And I'm also... With Auburn, I like the opportunity to buy low because, you know, they're coming off of one of the more catastrophic losses in program history. Uh, You know, I I usually tend to like to buy low. Maybe they were looking ahead to this game last week against New Mexico State. There is no more looking ahead. This is it. This is the big one for them every year. It's a home game. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm taking Auburn plus 13 and a half. I think Alabama wins the game. They might win it by – Uh, one score they might win it in overtime something wild's gonna happen but i am buying auburn plus 13 and a half
0: uh kenton question from the guy the host with hair in the front row Mm -hmm. the idea that these rivalry games can be anybody's anybody's game as someone who has played in these rivalry games why why is this a thing why are there just matchups where it's the other team the color of the jersey the name across the chest that just makes things weird
2: because you absolutely hate those teams and it's it's something different it's something different right like you can feel a personality shift from coaches sometimes in terms of like we're not just playing the island of misfit toys university in week one as a tune-up We're playing that school that if we were to go 1-11 on this season, or if we were to go 11-1 and and lose to these bozos, there's going to be a problem. Now, here's the thing. Zach Blackerby was a little nervous to join us. He didn't do a great job of selling me his case. But, but the history sold it for him. The reality is, in these games between Auburn and Alabama, especially in that old town of Auburn, in Jordan here, you see these games be ridiculously close. I've looked up how many games in total for either side were outside of this, uh, this 13 and a half for either side. I believe there was only one or two in the last 10 in Auburn. So I believe that Alabama wins. I believe in Money Milrow. I believe in Kool-Aid McKinstry. I don't believe in a blowout in this game. Zach, you were nervous, but you sold me Why?
1: Yeah. Well, And let me add something else. When you talk about in-state rivalry games, and obviously programs like Alabama and Auburn do a lot of national recruiting, but still much of the bread and butter on your roster are players from the area. You know, I'm talking to players, you know, obviously I cover the Miami-Florida state rivalry every year, mm-hmm. talking to players over the years on both sides. One of the common topics that always gets brought up is A lot of these players grew up playing against each other or as former high school teammates who now line up on the opposite side of that rivalry. That's absolutely the case in the Iron Bowl as well. That's one of the reasons why you can throw out the record, because obviously Bama, much better team, but there are players on the Auburn side that say, hey, that guy who's lined up for Bama, I beat that dude in high school. I matched up against that dude in high school. I beat him then, I can beat him again. That's one of the reasons why these in-state games tend to come down to the wire.
0: Auburn has also won three consecutive SEC football games. People forget. People forget due to that game last Saturday. But Auburn (laughs) was on a roll headed into New Mexico State. Auburn, Alabama, I think we're all in agreement. We're sold. Auburn covers a couple of scores this week. How about we keep it in the SEC in a game where both teams don't have their starting quarterback. One team looking to finish the regular season undefeated. The other just wants to go to a bowl game and maybe keep its head coach. We turn to Brandon Olson of Locked On Gators to sell us why Florida can cover six and a half against
3: Florida State. The Florida Gators can cover and will cover the six and a half point spread against the Florida State Seminoles. Because look at the quarterback situation right now. Tate Rodemaker for Florida State, replacing Jordan Travis. Max Brown for Florida, replacing Graham Mertz. Look at what they did last week. Max Brown went on the road against number nine Missouri. Losing, brought this team back and gave them the lead. And then the Florida Gators defense playing against an offense that is going to be better than Florida State, especially without Jordan Travis at the helm. They came back, and they took the lead. But this Florida Gators offense, they're still going to be fine. In fact, they might be better, more deep shots, a a dual-threat quarterback there. Florida can cover this. It's a rivalry game. It's in Gainesville. It's going to be close. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be messy. And Florida is going to cover a a six-and-a-half-point spread.
0: Uh,
3: First and foremost,
0: I don't like this game. I don't think this is going to be a very fun football game to watch. And I can remember, you'll think back, what, six or seven years ago, Florida sucked, Florida State sucked. I think they were both around five and six, six and five going into the matchup, and it was just a bad, gross football game. Now, much different, Florida's in that spot. Florida State is not, but due to quarterback injuries, I see this one being so ugly. Again, I'm going to give Brandon a pass here. Kenton, I see it being so ugly that Florida Mm -hmm. can cover.
2: Yeah, and I I could see that as a possibility. I could also see this as a possibility where they simply the no's have too much talent on the perimeter. I mean, it's it's yeah. tough for yeah. me to to kind of get away from that. And I've, I've I've got something for you here because I, there's do you, there's what something. What got for I, me, Ken? What do you I, got? There's something that I need to say that I know <laughs> Brendan is gonna hate. Uh, but the reality is, LinkedIn Billy is yes. back. I, <laughs> yes.
1: Good
2: muted again. Listen, now I've been muted again because I I love you, Brandon, but I'm sorry. I just don't trust Billy Napier's decision-making at all. And do I trust Norvell's all that much? No, but Norvell has the better horses in the stable. And if you have the better Larrys and Joes, you can make more of those clock mismanagement errors. You can make more of those fumbling away moments where it's like, what are you doing? But you have much better players. I don't think that Florida will cover at all. I love you, Brandon, Uh but they're not going to cover in this one.
0: Dono, they just want to go to a bowl game, man. Please tell me they can go to a bowl game. See, no. Uh,
1: And and it's not because of what Brandon said. He did about as good of a job as you can do trying to sell me why. It's the Uh, number uh, that I don't like because Florida State, they're more than six and a half points better than Florida. That's just the bottom line, right? And listen, okay, you're down to two backup quarterbacks. I know losing Jordan Travis is the bigger loss than losing Graham Mertz, but Rodemaker has something that Max Brown doesn't have enough of and that's experience. He's I think a fourth year junior, even a fifth year junior cuz you know the covid year always confuses me. He's been he's been in college football for a very very long time. He's got to manage the game. He's got to get the football to Keon Coleman, who's just a stud of all studs. He's got to get the football uh, out to his playmakers. And then when you talk about perimeter, Kenton, it's on both sides of the football because Florida State's defensive backfield, their press man coverage, they're going to give Max Brown and Florida a really, really tough time in this game. I could see this game being ugly because, again, you're you're down to two backup quarterbacks, and it's unfortunate people don't get to watch Jordan Travis do his thing, and I wish him a speedy recovery. I say that despite the fact he plays for a rival of the team I cover. I never want to see anyone get hurt, and that looked ugly last week, but Florida State is more than a touchdown better than Florida. They're going to cover.
0: Boys, Florida has two running backs. Two running backs that are good at the thing that we call football. 700-plus yards for both of them. And in a week where throwing the football will be a rare and welcome commodity, if done successfully, the team that dominates in the run game has a shot. And Florida State gives up 140 rush yards per game. That is 47th in the country. Therefore, Florida, which, knowing this, Billy Napier and staff are just going to throw the ball 50 times. If Florida – just runs the football. They at least keep it close. If this was if this was a ten point spread, which is what it probably would have been if everybody's right. healthy, then I really start to consider Florida State. But I'm I'm still le- or st- Florida. That is I'm still leaning the Gators in a twenty two to sixteen game. Where you look up and say, "How on God's earth did we get to this conclusion?" But I'm gonna go Florida plus six and a half this week, and keep my job with our producer, Brandon. That is this week's Sell Me Why. Last week, guys, we're we're getting on the cusp of our final Sell Me Whys next week for conference finals or the conference championship weekend. We'll have those as well. But coming up, let's get into Oregon State, Oregon, some more of your Michigan, Ohio State, some Alabama and Auburn, and your booms and busts. But first, we take it to Donna. It is time for our booms and bust. My first boom got to be Dono's shirt. That is unbelievable. Uh my first bust might be Dono's hat. We'll see. We'll we'll <laughs> over the course of the <laughs> over the course of, of the rest of the segment I'll try to even out where I go with those. Uh Dono, let's let's take it to you first. Your booms your bust this week. Yeah, so in the
1: spirit of Thanksgiving and in the spirit of the holiday season, Only I'm bloom. going I'm going no bus. I'm all,
2: I'm going <laughs> straight. Boom yeah. ticket. I'm
1: going the straight. I, I or, like to do or this in when the spirit I
2: can. of what you do almost every week. I was yes. just about to say this is not <laughs> a new spirit for Dono. This is oh, a spirit he channels often.
1: Uh, uh, I I was impressed with Georgia, big picture and small picture. Right, it, and I expected them to beat up on Tennessee. They did that, thirty eight to ten. But most importantly, Georgia became the first SEC team to go unbeaten in conference play three years in a row since they adopted the eight-game league format back in 1992. So they, they've they done something that you know hasn't been done in that conference in decades. That's impressive. And I know that maybe I don't give them enough respect as a national championship contender because I've been very hot on the Michigan tip throughout the season. But Georgia, they're, they've been getting better guys throughout the season because we had some concerns about them early on. That's a boom for me. And it pains me to do this, but I'm going to give Notre Dame a boom. Right, they crush Wake Forest forty-five-seven, which in itself maybe not a huge accomplishment. Wake Forest is a sub-five hundred team, but I'm sure it felt good for Sam Hartman to go out there, have a big game, and throw for four touchdowns against his former team. So I thought that that was a boom for me. Style points and everything, they got it done.
0: Uh, when I think, uh, you know what, Kenton, I'm, I'm still workshopping. I've got my booms and
2: busts, but I'm starting to have mm-hmm. second thoughts on my bust. Let's take it to you here. You know. In the spirit of being the anti-Dano, I'm going all bust this week. All bust like Pamela Anderson or Dolly Parton, according to Drake C. Toll. But that's neither here nor there. I'm just yeah. saying hear me Our out. Our ears are closed, Drake. Our ears are closed, Drake and C. Toll. Now, with that being said, I've got two busts for you. Kentucky, come on down. The big blue wall has been a big blue bust this year. Boy, if it wasn't for Sweet Baby Ray, I don't know how many games this team would have run. Of course, I'm, I'm referring to Ray Davis. Devin Leary has been an abject failure at quarterback for this team. Yeah. If they let me tell you something, those receivers could hate every defensive back that they go against. And they could be married to him. They still couldn't get any separation. For Christ's sake, please do something offensively. Besides Ray up the middle, Ray to the right, Ray to the left. Find something mm. offensively. And the next bust, Duke football. Come on down. Come on down. Because there? we all talked about you so good. We all said, oh, Mike Elko, that's the winningest season ever for a first-time Duke head coach. And then you start off this season by beating Clemson. But, boy, since Riley Leonard went down, mm, mm, that's been tough for you, hasn't it? You, This team has, when they combined two and four, since Riley Litter went down after starting 4-0 with a went 28-7 victory over Clemson. Their latest loss, might I add, their latest loss being against the mighty Who's of UVA. Despicable, disgusting, downright sad. Duke, second boom, uh, second bust of the week. Mm. Boys, my
0: my boom this week is Tyler from Spartanburg. Yes, they're we're, ranked again. How the hell did we're, that happen? We're going to look back at Clemson PTS pre Tyler from Spartanburg. That's yeah. what this yeah. season he helped them. I look, I can only hope they invite him in the locker room. Just you know, he comes out this week, talks to the team, you know, wishes them luck. Uh, this is a different Clemson team. They have played with a new fervor. They have been, you know, they, they didn't blow out North Carolina, but this game was never in doubt. They they yeah. had the lead. It was, it was commanding at least, and they've done that a couple of weeks in a row. Now moving to seven and four from what seemed like an unsalvageable season, eight and four would be a big win for Dabo's team that was floundering a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know if I can give Clemson itself a boom this week, but I'm going to give... Tyler from Spartanburg, my boom. And, and I'm going to give a, another boom to the thicker kicker. Florida goes, I mean, th- they've got they've got the upset in hand. They're going to upset a top 10 team on the road in Columbia and Harrison Meevis. Now, granted, he didn't set up the drive to hit the field goal, but he just keeps doing this to folks. The thicker kicker from Missouri. Never trust a college kicker unless his name is Harrison Meevis. He has been lights out for the Tigers. He's one of my booms this week. Now for my bus, Utah. Kyle Whittington. Mm-hmm. this team owned the Pac-12. Two-time defending Pac-12 champions. Can you take the crown? The last ever Pac-12 championship. Can you do it? They're far from it. They got dominated by Oregon State earlier this year, and then this week it wasn't even competitive from kickoff against Arizona Utah has been so disappointing at 7-4, and four. moving into the Big 12. They're no longer the player in the new Big 12, which they could have been, could have asserted their dominance to do so. Now, guys, this would have been a wild thing to say eight weeks ago, Arizona is in a better spot headed to the new Big 12 than Utah is. Arizona, uh, last but not least, I'm going to give a bust to Washington. And I, I know, a I victory. know, I know Washington wins the football game they went on the road against a good Oregon a top 15 Oregon state team they closed it out defensively they didn't score a point in the second half and they won but when i what i watched from washington on saturday to me did not look like a team that is competitive with an ohio state or with a michigan i did not watch a washington team that can come close to a georgia and I keep seeing – look, Michael Penix Jr. didn't – I am um, – where did he go? Apex of the Heisman conversation. And now we've started to turn our attention to other people. Across. Bo Nix is getting more hype than Michael Penix Jr. for a guy that I thought could walk away with this trophy three weeks ago. And he throws for what, 160 yards against Oregon State? Where is my Heisman moment? Where is my Heisman moment from him? It's going to become a – last year was a statistics race. There wasn't a Heisman moment for Caleb Williams. He just blew everybody else out of the water statistically. Jaden Daniels is staring down the barrel of that because Michael Penix Jr. couldn't, he's just not finishing the year strong enough to take that trophy away. Ken, I see it in your eyes. You have some sort of commentary here.
2: I'm devastated, disappointed by this because I was the only person, I was the only person to pick Washington to win last week. That's a game where both of you, Saw them walking out of Corvallis with a loss because, what it was are you talking about? because talking of what? Because didn't I pick Washington? We're gonna, we're gonna I don't even break. remember now. We got to review the break. tape. Oh, no, now we got to go to break. Now we got, and I wanted to show you your love on the PTS Clemson being much worse than the ATS Clemson. Yeah. But here you go, bringing in Penix where <laughs> Penix doesn't belong. This man and this team, I do agree that they did not look like they could compete with those I don't teams. Think they can but, I? Don't but think here's, they can. Here's my belief. Every team has three types of games, okay? You have your best game of the year where you're firing on all cylinders, nothing you can do goes wrong, you kick it off the upright, it bounces in, and then you have your worst game of the year where everything goes wrong, your handoffs are sloppy, your footwork is sloppy, you can't block nobody, you can't stop nobody, but other than that, you're fine. And then you got all the other games in between where that's who you are. We've seen who Washington is time and time and time again. And we're how can we say that this Oregon team looks special, looks ready to compete, looks ready to do all the things, if this Washington team beat them? And that, that was one of Oregon's best games of the year. It's not like we watched them and like, oh, Oregon is pissing down their leg. They're just playing completely uncharacteristic ball today. Game. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The Heisman should be Jay Daniels because I don't believe it's a team reward. I believe it should go to the best player in college football, which I believe he is. But with that being said, this Washington team being a, a bust, it's just. I mean, I, I just don't understand. you hurt me here, Drake. You hurt well, me. Let, let, let me ask Drake a follow-up, because what he's saying about Washington, it's
1: interesting and a little ironic that this is the week that they jump ahead of Florida State and get in the top four. I would imagine, whether they admit it or not, that has a lot to do with Jordan absolutely. Travis being out yeah, for absolutely. the year, yeah. right? I mean, I know that they claim, you know, they can claim whatever it is about the resumes and not looking at that, but obviously, I don't view... I don't view Florida state as a team that's going to win a national championship with yeah. Rod Baker at quarterback. It's just not going to happen. So I yeah. guess I understand that that has a lot to do with them dropping out of that top four.
0: I, for me, if Michael Penix jr. Goes down this week, God forbid, if that happens and they bring in a backup who throws three interceptions and Washington wins 21 to 20 over Washington state, there's a reason we did away with the BCS. Now human beings can help make these decisions. And if yeah. we see that, who after a couple of weeks, Washington's not equipped, or they lose the Pac-12 championship. Then at that point, there's no way to let them in. I, I am maybe where I'm coming from more so. We're at a point in the season where bus can't keep being Wake Forest, right? Bus can be Duke, but w- w- at this point, <laughs> now it's when we talk That's about fair. the the top ten. Now of these undefeated teams, somebody's going to have to be a bust because there are only four playoff spots. Yeah, somebody's going to have to not get in for some specific reason. And the way that I've watched Washington play at least two, three of the last four or five weeks, I've thought, oh man, that I keep going back to the Arizona State game and thinking, ooh, I, I get it, right? Michigan struggles with Maryland. I still think Michigan might be the best team in the country. For Washington, I, I just I need to see that moment, the dominant moment, the Oregon game. We keep talking about how if these two teams rematch, Oregon likely wins because it felt so fluky when Washington won the first time around. I don't, I know a lot of SEC fans would agree, a lot of Big Ten fans would agree. I don't think Washington holds Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. I don't think Washington holds their jock strap right now. And for that reason, I give them my bust this week. And before we go into our picks of the week, I do want to parlay that into a conversation about the college football playoff. We are sitting in scenario land Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Oregon, Washington, Texas. Alabama all have a shot at the college football playoff. Oh, and by the way, Louisville's sitting there, too. They need some stuff to happen, but they're right there. There are nine teams coming into this week that are all hoping for a college football playoff, which might be the most that I can remember going into rivalry week that had a legitimate case to make their way to that final four. Ken, how do you sort this thing out? If you had to choose, do you see a definitive
2: four? So here's the thing. I... I really don't see four that are head and shoulders above regardless of the next two weeks goings-on and happenings. Like, let's just be honest, right? If Oregon loses to Oregon State this week, even if they beat Washington in a rematch, do you feel good about saying, hey, you all are in now? I don't. Well, especially don't.
0: If, if Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship, then do we let yeah, Oregon yeah. in over Georgia? I don't think we
2: can. No, I don't think you can. And and that's what I'm saying. Like, there is there's so much that could go wrong, could happen here, could you know at the end of the day the michigan and ohio state game that could be a game where you look at and you say man the loser of this thing is happy cuz they don't have anything else to worry about no. hey we are where we are we just got to wait for everybody else to sort their stuff out but we are right where we are this is a year where we're seeing so much parity we're seeing so much hey any team could be it right even though there's kind of an underlying feeling with all of us that in the media we won't talk about it because it makes for a short show. Like in 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 TV, we're like, "Hey, if the protagonist would have just went to school, everything would have been okay." Well, then you yeah. don't have then you don't have snowfall. The, the seven seasons of the show don't happen if uh, if Franklin stays in school. Now you're out of show. The reality is, all of us kind of had an underlying feeling that George is going mollywop everybody in front of him in the playoff. But with that being said, there are so many amazing ways that this thing could play out. To where, I mean, who knows, how do you keep Georgia out if they lose to Alabama? What do you do with Texas if they went out in dominant fashion? What do you do with some of these teams? If there is a, a moment all of a sudden where Michigan looks completely human against both Ohio State and in the conference championship game, what do you do there? Like These are moments where you're asking yourself, all right, who belongs in, who gets out? It could be anybody's ball game, and I got one more sign for you for today. <laughs> hey, Roddy Rich Rodemaker is the 2023 Cardale Jones. If they go undefeated, put them in the playoff. That's yeah. where they belong. I don't want to hear anything about. Well, and, and, and that's and that's something that makes this so tough
1: for me, guys, because yeah, it's yeah. like if Florida State goes undefeated, you feel like they deserve to be in. But to. at the same time. Uh, I, I look at, to me, the best four teams. And obviously, it doesn't always shake out to be the best four teams. Uh, I think in, in no particular order, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and Ohio State to yeah. me. And, and and Oregon is like very, very close knocking on that door. And and I maybe I could say the same thing about Washington despite the Drake-Toll slander, right? But I, I think the first four that I mentioned to me are the best four teams. I can't wait for the 12-team expansion because yeah. I just feel like you have these debates where it's like, you try to go resume, you know, does an undefeated team that's maybe not as good as a one-loss team that they deserve to be in. I just want more opportunities for teams because I have a hard time with this. I can look at my four best teams that I believe would beat any of the other teams in that picture, uh, but then at the same time, there's going to be a team like Florida State if they go undefeated. How do you deny them based on the resume? So right. I have a tough time with this, but for me, Georgia – Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, that to me, those are the best four teams in college football right now.
0: I think so. And so many folks have made the case that the expanded college football playoff is going to kill the game or kill regular season matchups. And look, maybe the game is not playing for a college football playoff spot, but then in the co- or you know, not playing for a national championship. Maybe you take that out of it, but now you create playoff atmosphere games where all eight of these teams can go toe-to-toe for a national championship. Now you're giving an opportunity. You might leave Texas out of the college football playoff, and they could have gone on a magical run to win the whole thing with Quinn Ewers at quarterback. Now you at least afford them that opportunity in this new era of college football. We're pushing a break here. Donna, we'll pitch it to you and then come back with our picks for Rivalry Week.
1: I used to get nervous about buying last minute tickets. Now, man, I look forward to it because I get the best deals at game time. I can remember recommending somebody $1 tickets to a major college football game earlier this season. They were thanking me for weeks after that. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event, whether it's a sporting event, a concert, a musical theater show, a comedy show, killer last minute deals, all in prices. You can see views from your seat right there on the app. And the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Guys, especially this holiday season, you want to give the gifts of tickets to a friend and family member. You got to keep in mind the game time guarantee, which is going to give you peace of mind. That means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So download the game time app, create an account, and use code. Locked on college for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on college, all one word locked on college for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
0: All right, let's jump into our black Friday. Pick them in. Autzen Stadium, Oregon, Oregon State, a Friday night primetime matchup. Dono, let's start with you.
1: Yeah, I'm picking Oregon to win the game. I think the cl- the game might be closer than the spread indicates. We talked about that a little bit earlier on. But Oregon, to me, one of the most well-rounded teams in college football. I put them in kind of that same conversation I put in my top four. They're right on the outside looking into me. Bo Nix has been unstoppable for most of this year. He's right in there in that Heisman conversation. Oregon's going to win this game. I just think it's going to be closer than two touchdowns.
2: Kenton. Bo Nix and his 50-11 go around at college football, finally figures it out, gets it right, gets to the conference championship. And this game is one where I'm looking at DJU and saying, hey, you can turn the tide of this thing, brother. If you show up big time, you will win this game. But I think Oregon wins, Oregon State covers. We got a close one, but I'm going to Oregon. Did you know, I saw
0: yesterday the draft, the, the recruiting rankings, Bo Nix and Spencer Rattler were the same recruiting class? Do you know that? Wow! Do you know that?
3: Jesus Christ! We
0: make a lot of fun of Bo Nix for being old, and he's not as old as I thought. There, <laughs> I think Max Duggan might be in there too. There are a couple of those guys yeah. like, oh, interesting. I I started college the same year as Bo Nix. Bo, I'm sorry, man. It's not that. Which you know, I'm 13. I was a wonder kid. It's a wild thing. I graduated college at 12. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Oregon here as well. Bo Nix and company get it done at home. Let's take you to one that we've already previewed quite a bit in this show, Uh, but I'm going to ask about it again, Alabama and Auburn. Dono, give me a definitive. I'm going to give you definitive
1: Alabama by three. Uh, I Mm. think there's going to be a game-winning field goal situation, and we're all going to be wondering, is it going to be a kick six on the 10-year anniversary of that kick six in 2013? Uh, I think Alabama is going to handle their business, but Auburn will create the usual chaos, especially at Jordan-Hare. But Bama, to me, is going to squeak by.
0: Yeah.
2: Kenton, where do you go? Give me Bama 2014. I, I don't know why, but this offense, they seem to have it figured out. They seem to have things rolling now. But I just – there's I got a gut feeling that when they go into Jordan here, all of a sudden things are going to go haywire with that offense. But two things to travel, run game, defense, they'll be all right. They'll be just fine. 2014 Bama.
0: Let's take you to the Apple Cup, Washington and Washington State. Since I already gave Washington a bust this week, is there any way an upset's pulled off in this big rivalry game, Dono?
2: Mm.
1: No, I, I think Washington got their slight wake-up call, especially okay. with that four-second half last uh, week. I think I think Washington's going to take care of business. Another relatively close rivalry game. I'm going Washington by about a touchdown.
2: Canton Trent, I'm going to touch your shoulder when I say this. because I don't know if you watch the show or not, Trent. Pettis, but I'm going to touch your shoulder when I say this. Get your ears together and get to New York, Trent. Go have your Heisman moment in this game. Dominate your rival. I don't care if it's not a huge game. I don't care about – there are a lot of voters that are going to vote before the conference championship game. This is your last chance to impress, Trent. Go out there and dominate this football game, brother. I got Washington.
0: All right, quickly, Clemson or South Carolina,
2: Captain. Clemson. South Carolina's not going to a bowl game. Dono. Clemson's going to win this
1: game. And it's going to be crazy when, you know, we're going to look back at this season where Clemson's going to win eight or even nine games, depending on their bowl, and say, yeah, that was the down year for Clemson. Like, oh, they were so bad this year and they still win eight or nine games. Dabo, we've given him, you know, a little bit of a, a little hell in the past, but he's still doing a tremendous job there.
0: Guys, before we get to the big one, which is almost what the rivalry's name is. There is a very weird aura around this weekend in college football. Let me take you through a couple of these lines. Texas, Texas Tech. 14-point spread. Penn State, Michigan State, 22-point spread. Oregon State, Oregon, 14-point 14 sp- 14 spread. But it doesn't end there. A double-digit spread in LSU and AM, In Alabama and Auburn, Arizona, Arizona State. Double digits in games like Oklahoma State, BYU, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Washington State, Washington. Everywhere you look this weekend in college football, the Georgia Tech, Georgia, Notre Dame, Stanford, double-digit spreads on a rivalry weekend. But the one game that breaks the mold is the game. Kenton Gibbs, it's ABC, it's, well, I mean, it's ABC's college football game day, whatever they do, but it's Fox for the actual game. Ohio State, Michigan, in Ann Arbor, the game, who do you go with?
2: You know... I've talked about Maserati Marvel. I've talked about – we've heard about Henderson, and we, we've, we're we hearing about Kyle McCord getting it together. That defensive line of Ohio State is, is, you know, turning it on and all that good stuff. Michigan going through so much turmoil, firing coaches, firing assistants, firing staffers, no more sign-stealing. Give me the boys in the winged helmet. Too physical, too tough. Running game with two backs, two foam baby keen, double cellular in that backfield. I got Michigan winning a close one, and Blake Coram having a moment that he's not going to go to New York. But he, if he did have that type of season, this would be his moment.
0: Mm. All right, Dono, how do you how do you feel? We've been saying Michigan might be the best team in college football. Can they prove it again this week with a maybe okay quarterback?
1: I've been trying to talk myself into picking Ohio State for the last Mm. few days just because, I I don't know, there'd be something fun about seeing them pull off that mild upset. They've got the two-game losing streak to Michigan, everything going on in Ann Arbor, but... I agree with Kenton. I think the physicality is going to be the difference here. And as I mentioned, the team that runs for more yards has won every matchup in this rivalry since 2001. It's hard for me not to expect Michigan to be the team that does that this time around. Uh, But I might even lock in Ohio State plus three and a half if I can still get that number by tomorrow. I think it's going to be really close, but I just see Michigan
0: edging it out. We have seen each of these teams play a close-ish but low-scoring game against Penn State. Each of those games followed kind of that same, all right, Penn State's got a shot. They're one big play away, but the defense never let up. As I look at this game, I think Michigan is the better football team. They are playing at home. They have, to me, more emotion invested in this game with everything off of the field. I'm going to go Michigan in one of those Fun 16-13, 19-13 knockdown dragout noon games on Fox. Give me the Wolverines in this one. The desk likes a harballless Michigan to take out Ohio State in the game. That is Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC and Locked On Wolfpack. Alex Dono of Locked On Canes. Drake Toll with you of Locked On Big 12. This has been, it always will be. Thank you for making it your lunchtime. Listen every single Friday. Locked on college football kickoff live.